for our diving Hope comes and stops us in our tracks Bravely we prove in our striving Trudging together each day everyone and welcome to raw recovery a trudging together podcast you probably will be amazed by this but this is actually our third take (laughs) angelina and i tried this a few days ago and we were trying to force it and it just wasn't it wasn't working so we've got some uh uh, we don't have any technical difficulties today we're doing well Praise um, God. Yeah. <laughs> I did while you were gone. I'm like, thank you, God, and, you know, <laughs> uh, for for getting us through it, you know. Um, you know, but there again, it's the little the little things can kill, you know. So how mm. do we handle ourselves when we run into these problems? Um, before we get started, um, Jill has not been able to join us lately. She has been going through, uh, she's actually going to be having surgery soon. And I kind of wanted to dedicate this show to Jill. Um, Jill's actually brought Angelina on. She's the one that brings on all of our guests. She's the one that makes them feel comfortable. And, and she's a very big part of the show. So, Jill, I just want you to know that that we love you and that we're all praying for you. Um, and this one's for you, girl. Yeah. <laughs> so, Angelina, welcome to the show. Thank you for taking your, your time uh, this morning. I know that... The kids are the kids are out of school because Corona. You had some Corona stuff happen. You know, yeah, things have been pretty life busy. Shows up. Yeah, uh, <laughs> life on life's terms. So, uh, right. thank you for taking your time this morning. It's cold as I'll get out in Colorado. I hope it's warmer there. But let's <laughs> let's go ahead and get started. Um, yeah, how are, you, how are you doing today? I'm great, man. Too blessed to be stressed. Ah. <laughs> too blessed to be stressed and that's right. the thing you know life does show up uh you know but that's okay because it's life on life's terms today and you know i'm just so grateful to be sober and um for the steps that gave me a relationship with god mm-hmm. because now i no longer have to look for my circumstances to be okay for me to have peace because i go to god for my peace so i can have yeah. peace amidst problems, amidst uh-huh. coronavirus, you know, amidst a pandemic, yep. you know, and that's just such a blessing. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's good to be here this morning and uh, I'm excited. I'm excited. Yeah. Our internet's working. So praise God for that. Uh, yeah. A lot of things actually happened for me with, with the coronavirus that were, you know, so I, I can, I spent a lot of time at home. So when the coronavirus mm-hmm. happened, and this because of my PTSD, my anxiety, but God has allowed me to do stuff from home. So when coronavirus happened, you guys entered my world. I've been doing mm. this online for mm. a few years now. So everybody kind of entered oh, my world. I didn't world. know that. Yeah, I've been doing this for a while. Right. Um, and um, so it was neat because I was able to help people learn how to stay home and not drive yourself and your family crazy. Mm. Uh, that right. was because right. a lot of yeah. a lot of time by yourself can lead to that itty bitty shitty committee. Um, you know, and <laughs> I was just talking about that, that last night. Yeah. Well, uh, us people that have been around for a little while, we still use, you know, like denial is not a river in Africa. 
said that in a meeting the other day. People were like, yeah. oh, I never heard that one. I'm like, oh my gosh, we got, we got some learning to do. <laughs> so, um, so where did you grow up at? So I grew up um, in New Jersey, South Jersey. I'm about 15 minutes from Philly. Okay. And um, yeah, right in the suburbs, suburban girl. And, um, you know, that's, that's where my story started. Mm -hmm. And, you know, from the outside looking in growing up, you know, everything looked good on the outside. Like I said, middle-class suburban family, Yeah. but on the inside, you know, my mom is an addict and, um, my dad, you know, I try not to take his inventory, but very heavy drinker. We'll, so okay. we'll say that definitely when he was in the marriage to my mom, uh, drank alcoholically we'll, we'll put okay. it that way and um you know from a very young age i was the person who was the fixer okay trying to, to fix mom to fix dad um you know protect my brother right. and this left me with feelings of you know being worried all the time okay. very anxious okay. and i just never had any peace okay and Were i you... always thought again it's like were you the mm -hmm. oldest Yes. So, okay. well, I, so. I have an older sister, but she okay. has, um, my parents, my grandparents adopted her. So she didn't okay. grow up with us. Okay. So I'm like, I'm like the middle, middle child and the oldest child. Oh, so you, <laughs> so you got to play two roles. Good for you. Right. So you got to play, exactly. the, you got to play the, uh, the savior and you got to play the black sheep. Exactly. And that's something I learned too, right? There's one savior and it's not me, <laughs> right? Because even like, well, even today, you know, and, and my mom, um, you know, she still has her struggle. She was, um, you know, like 18 months sober and, um, you know, this pandemic hit and um, she wasn't comfortable being in the sober living she was in because, you know, she has asthma and all that. And okay. there was 12 young girls in the house. So she left, you know, meetings were shut down. And, um, you know, she relapsed and, um, you know, I, I did start, start to seek some outside help from that with the direction of my sponsor and started sure. to go to Narnon meetings that okay. was really, really helpful because like, still I'm not perfect, man, at all. Uh, I don't nope. do this perfectly. Um, you know, but I have to remind myself still sometimes, and you're not the savior. Yeah. Right. And I need to let go and let God. Yeah. Rules, and, rule 62 not taking ourselves yeah. so darn seriously, you know? Yes, exactly. And allowing the people I love to suffer their own consequences. Yeah, because that's it wasn't so until hard. I started to suffer consequences uh -huh. that I had the willingness to want to change. Absolutely. Yes. As long as people were enabling me, I didn't need to change. Yeah. Right. I had a roof over my head. People let me do what I wanted and all was good. I had to come to a place where I hit rock bottom so that I was willing to do the work and willing to change. So now it's, you know, I'm in a season of just, you know, allowing her to suffer her consequences, you know, and, and, and praise God, she survived the relapse and she's back in a sober living now. Good. Um, you know, so I hope it sticks this time, but you know, Again, life still shows up, but I'm so grateful that I have tools now Yes. to handle these things when they show up. And That's I don't right. have to fight these battles alone anymore because I have God and I have a fellowship of people and my sponsor to support me. And that's just made all the difference in my life. Because Absolutely. again, in, um, you know, when I was growing up, I didn't have tools. 
I didn't have tools. <laughs> and I literally thought, you know, if, you know, I could just hide the addiction from my dad. Uh, if I could just get, you know, my mom to do what I wanted, then dad wouldn't be mad. Then, then there would be peace. So it was like trying to manage and control the outside constantly to try to find peace on the inside. And it didn't work. Yep. And so I was always left just very anxious, very worried. Um, you know, my, we grew up, um, where we grew up, it was like our backyard came right up to the uh, a golf course. We were okay. right behind the ninth hole. And so my dad, he would work night work. He'd come home, sleep a few hours, and then he'd go golfing all day. And dinner had to be on the table at a certain time. And so we would always have to call the bar constantly. Are you coming yeah. home for dinner? Are you coming home for dinner? And I cannot tell you these feelings of just walking of eggshells yeah. and stress of not knowing what was coming through the door. Yep. And if it was the angry drunk, you know, there was a lot of uh, mental and emotional abuse and also some physical abuse. Um, and then once in a while, when it was the happy drunk, it was like, whew, we dodged a bullet. Yeah. And so this just left me with this overall very anxious yeah. condition. And so, you know, when I first came into the rooms of recovery, I thought that drinking and drugging was my problem. Mm-hmm. And if I could just stop drinking and <laughs> drugging, then... I would be okay. Right. Yeah, and this is sure. what I didn't understand. I went to multiple detoxes and rehabs right. thinking, okay, I'm good now. And I come out. Right. And I am still restless, irritable and discontent. So I needed that sense of ease and comfort from the drinking yep. and drugging. Yep. I, what I didn't understand and what made all the difference for me uh-huh. was when I sat down with a sponsor and she started to show me what it was I suffered from. Because an incomplete understanding of the problem kept constantly leading me to an incomplete solution. Absolutely. And so she started to tell me about this threefold disease mm-hmm. of addiction and alcoholism that I suffer from. Um, and the main core of my problem being this spiritual malady that uh-huh. I have, a spiritual yep. sickness, where my normal state sober was restless, irritable, discontent, unhappy, and never satisfied. That was me as a child before I ever put a drink or a drug in my system. Yeah, we do not need alcohol in our system. This this is the Mm. way I describe it, is if you have a drunk horse thief and you sober them up, you have a sober horse thief. You just have a better horse thief. (laughs) That's all all you've done. And probably a mad horse thief. (laughs) because <laughs> I can't drink. Yes. And I have been, you know, I have been in sobriety and insane in sobriety. We oh, have yeah. to work these steps uh, the correct way. Yeah. Um, still restless, irritable, and discontent because that malady was not addressed. Yeah. So I thought it was the drinking and the drugs that was my problem. My problem was my normal state sober. Yep. If I didn't fix that and I was still restless, irritable, and discontent, I still needed... Because really drugs and alcohol was my solution. Yes. To the way I felt normally when I was sober. Yeah. So I had to fix that normal state sober. And it wasn't until I addressed that until I was able to overcome addiction and be happy, joyous, and free. Absolutely. Um, you know, but it was a long road to um get awareness, one, about what yeah. it was I suffered from. 
And it wasn't until I got that awareness that I was able to recover from this hopeless state of mind, you know, because that was something else that, you know, the, this threefold disease. So there was that, that malady, that was my problem. Right. But the problem centered in my mind, it was this Uh mental obsession that kept leading me to that first drinking drug. And I did, I always thought that I was a bad person who made me bad choices because I picked up that first one. Yeah. I didn't understand that I was without defense against the first drinker drug. Yep. It's not your fault. You know, I didn't understand that because of this mental obsession. And, you know, I would hear these things in rehab, like, you know, play the tape through. Right. And I'm, that, they make, that doesn't work for somebody like me, you know, because one of two things is going to happen. Yeah. One, I'm going to play the tape through. And I there's been many times where I knew I was probably going to go out and ruin my life, but I had to have it. Yeah. It didn't matter. Yeah. The tape didn't matter. Then, no. And then there was other times. Right. And here and this is where I learned really for me um, studying the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous is what brought me that awareness Okay. Um, so that I could recover. And it was in studying that book when I got a good sponsor who could take me through it, that was able to show me what it was that I suffered from. Yeah. And, and um, I want, I, I want to kind know. of point out that, that it happened that way. And we were thinking that way because we weren't willing to do anything about it yet. So we still had that thought process when they were trying to get us to do some critical thinking yeah we were over here yeah. going oh well that's how i can get it thanks you know all right well yeah well, i just got my whole plan for when i get out of here yep right and there's and that i've been at both of those stages where sure. you know i wasn't really willing you know but then there was another time you know when i first got clean and i uh so what happened when i got clean i'll, I'll back up a little bit What happened when I got clean was, you know, I was a weekend warrior and, you know, going back to those golf course days, the first time, like I was saying that the drink and the drug was my um, solution. So, you know, all the kids from the neighborhood used to go out on this golf course and they'd all drink in parties. I remember in the eighth grade, we stole a bottle of Bombay Sapphire gin from my dad. I still can't smell gin to this day. (laughs) And so I remember that we were all sitting in a circle and everyone's taking a little swig, like, uh, you know, passing it on. And the moment that alcohol touched my lips, I just started downing it and downing it and downing it and downing it. And I literally, I got alcohol poisoning. Mm-hmm. And, but it was like, we hear about these nine step promises, right? We'll know a new peace and a new freedom. Uh-huh. You know, we will be happy, all this stuff. It was like the promises came true for me when yeah. I experienced getting drunk for the first time. Like, oh, this is the answer I've been looking for. Now I have peace. Yeah. Right? And, I, and, and I think we said this before. I think I said this before. My first drink was like my first spiritual experience. Yes. I could compare. I could actually compare it to that. Because yes. it was that much of an emotional change. Absolutely. And see, and that here's the thing. That solution worked for a long time sure. until it didn't anymore. Yeah. And then it turned on me. Yeah. Right. And it yeah. was, you know, very, say it was fun in the beginning and then fun with problems. And then at the end, I just had problems. That mm-hmm. could be my story summed up in three seconds. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
but it did. It worked for a long time until it didn't. And so I had to find a new solution. And yeah. that's what I found in the 12 steps. Absolutely. And getting a relationship with God. And then that is my solution today. And guess what? Um, I never wake up the next morning after spending time with God the night before. Regretful. Yeah. Uh, in jail. Okay. Because I, I, I have this, um, you know, this allergy to mind-altering uh -huh. substances. Right? And that allergy, when we see it defined... You know, an allergy is an abnormal reaction to a substance, right? right. Mm -hmm. So the normal reaction for a, you know, occasional drug user or a drinker is that the more they have, the less they want. Yeah. But for the addict or the alcoholic, once we put one in us, it triggers this phenomenon of craving. So the more I have, the more I want. So yep. there's that abnormal reaction, right? So therefore it's an allergy. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, when I finally did get honest and get willing to go through this work, right? I saw the truth and the truth was I had that reaction from the very first time I drank that night. Yep. And yep. I was like, oh my goodness. And I did, I hadn't even thought about that first. I didn't think it got until I was like 18, you know, that it started to got, get bad. But sure. I saw, oh my goodness, I experienced that from my very first drink. Yeah. You know, and that was this allergy. So I had this spiritual malady, this allergy, and this mental obsession. Yeah. Right? And the mental obsession is what keeps me picking up. Mm -hmm. And this is where the dilemma is, right? Because I have a mind that tells me I can. Yep. And I can control and enjoy this time, right? That's the great obsession that I can control and enjoy, right? But here's the thing. Every time I was trying to control it, I wasn't enjoying it because I want to be in oblivion. I don't exactly. know. Exactly. The fact That's that I had right. to, yeah. I mean, at and, the end, um, at the end there, I couldn't even sit and have a, you know, if somebody brought a six pack and there were five of us, I wasn't going to be in that conversation because I'm right. thinking about who's getting that, that second beer. Right. Yeah, right. <laughs> Better be that's me. What I, that's what I'm me. thinking. Yeah, go, go, go. You guys keep talking. Yeah. I'm just, you know, absolutely. Right, exactly. It was always about me and my alcohol. Didn't yes. nothing else matter. Yes. And so it was like this, you know, and that's where the dilemma is because I have a mind that tells me I can, mm -hmm. but I have a body that can't because of the allergy. It can't, it's impossible. So to do. it keeps me sick, you know, it keeps me sick. Mm -hmm. And, you know, with this mental obsession, as I was saying before, I just thought I was a bad person that kept making bad choices. Yeah. What I didn't understand until, again, I got with a sponsor who sat down and showed me the problem was that I wasn't a bad person. I was a sick person. Mm -hmm. And I didn't have a choice because yeah. of the mental obsession. That's right. You know, and so and I had the... Um, this situation where, you know, I wasn't too willing at first. I thought it was just drugs was my problem. I could drink, you know, yeah. you know, and then I got to become an alcoholic too. So now I can identify <laughs> with everybody. Cause I'm like, you know, the garbage can that yeah. does it first and asks you what it is later. That's, That's me. right. Um, <laughs> so, um, you know, I've had that situation, but I've also had the situation where I was willing and desperately wanted to stop. And um, my first sponsor, and she's still good, a good friend of mine, you know, she had okay. come in um, on a panel on H&I. Oh, wow. And um, yes. And so I asked her to be my sponsor right away in treatment. Okay. And, you know, I went through the steps. Of, she, she took, there's so much unawareness of, the, of, of this disease. There and is. she took me through how she got taken through. And that's the scary. And the, the scary thing is I really wanted to stop. 
Yeah. And I did what she told me. And I was doing what everyone was saying. I'm going to meetings. Meeting makers making. I'm going to meetings. Nothing's happening. I was talking about that insanity sober, right? I was yeah. insane sober. Don't drink no matter what. I'm trying to listen to these sayings, right? And I'm sitting there like, well, I drink and use no matter what. If I could yeah. do that, I wouldn't be here, right? All these things, they made no <laughs> sense to me. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I was doing what she was telling me. You know, but my experience, it wasn't deep and thorough and effective. And again, yeah. I still didn't have the understanding of the problem. So, you know, essentially what it looked like was you admit you're powerless and your life's unmanageable. Well, yeah, my life's gone to hell, obviously. Okay. You believe in God? Yeah. Okay. Turn it over to him. Write a few minutes on a four step. That's how it was. But here's the thing. I did what she told me to do. Yeah. And I wanted to stop, but I didn't get it man yeah. and that was the scary thing it was that unawareness that i actually really did have the willingness and what happened was i was insane sober yeah literally so i got clean um i'll back up a little bit and tell you how i got there okay and um so you know that was my first experience you know drinking when i was in the eighth grade and i do, do you I, mind do you mind if i yeah. break because you're doing all these little because these little things are having a sponsor uh yeah. going to treatment detox you're getting information during all of this. So do you feel like your drinking career was kind of ruined because of it? Like you knew where to go when it was time? Yes. <sighs> kind of, but not really okay. for me. I had, you know, the detox centers I went to, you know, I heard about AA and NA meetings and I would go once or twice. But I think I was just so delusional. And so when I was going, I was still like okay. drunk and high because they said go right. there that I don't think I was even able at that time. Okay. You didn't have the capacity you know? to be able to even yes. get it. Got it. Now, okay. later on, that was definitely the experience. Okay. Right. And I had to drink and drink more to shut this up because I knew I was doing wrong now. Yeah. Yeah. Once you know the solution and you go against it, you'll never enjoy it again. It's pure hell. That was my experience at the yeah. end, for sure, 100%. Okay, I was real curious about that, okay. Yes, and so anyway, um, you know, when I was 18, I was in a car accident and I discovered Oxycontin. Ooh. Ooh. Oxycontin, painkillers. Yeah. And, um, you know, that was like, that was, Ever. You know, just like I said, the promises on a whole nother level, because what it did is it literally knocked me out. Because as I told you, I was always just so worried and anxious and it just put me in oblivion Yeah, and I didn't care about anything. And um, I was able to like manage and control it um, for at this point, my parents were going through this awful divorce. Okay. Um, and it, it was just terrible. My mom and I started using together. It was like this awful uh, codependent relationship. Sure. And so when I was uh, 20 years old, I decided, you know, and up until this point with the pills, I still worked, you know, I worked in a sports bar. So, you know, that was the lifestyle of everything yeah. I hung with, man. We, we didn't get out of there till four in the morning and we mm -hmm. took pills and blue lines of Coke all night. Yep. And we made a lot of money, Yep. you know, and, uh, you know, the more money I had, the more I did. I blew through hundreds of thousands of dollars of trust mm -hmm. fund plus all the money I made wow. in a couple of years. And so what mm -hmm. happened was because I had funds, right, I blew through all of it, by the way, mm -hmm. um, it just made me have such a higher tolerance yeah. that I was literally at one point at the end of the, the pill addiction, I was taking 1080 milligram Oxycontins a day. Ooh. 
And so anyway, I decided and I was still able to work. Okay. You know, I don't know how. But I don't I know either. Wow. Managing and controlling at that point. Okay. So anyway, I decided that New Jersey was my problem. And okay. my dysfunctional family was my problem. Sure. So well, I'm going to go away to college and that's going to fix everything. Right. Okay. So, of course, me and my alcoholic thinking decides, you know what? I'm going to go to West Virginia University, which is like one of the biggest partying schools in the yeah. country. That's going to fix it. Okay. And, uh, you know, but guess what? I went there and I took myself with me. Yeah. And <laughs> so, you found better drugs. <laughs> Well, well, actually what happened, so West Virginia University is in the middle of the mountains. Okay. So things there are very, very expensive. So mm -hmm. here where it was $50 a pill, there it was $110 a pill. Mm -hmm. Yep. Um, and so what I decided was that, you know what, I'm going to be a drug dealer. Yeah. And that's how I'm going to support my habit. So what I would do, and it was like a nine hour drive. I would drive back to New Jersey with my connect here and then I'd go and I tell myself I'm going to sell these pills, but I was the worst drug dealer on the planet because I yeah, sell I was a, a horrible drug dealer too. <laughs> yeah, I do them all. So I was all. So uh, anyway, one of these times when I had come back and my brother and um, his two friends. Um, so my brother was a senior in high school at the time, so they okay. wanted to come down for the week because it was their spring break to check out the school they were thinking about going there for college okay so it's me my brother and his two friends and actually very very unfortunately that the one died of, of an overdose about six years ago probably now okay. and the, the other one his best friend um just died on on tuesday I'm because sorry. he uh he tried to stop drinking on his own and if anyone's listening you know yeah please, please seek if you're trying to come off alcohol on your own, please seek medical attention. And so what happened was he was three days not drinking yeah. and um, he had a seizure and hit his head, which caused a brain bleed and yep. multiple strokes and uh, was brain dead, 33 years old. Yeah. Um, so I'm actually in the midst of planning this funeral with my, because his sister is my best friend. Yeah. Yeah. Um, alcohol, so just, alcohol withdrawal can kill you. Yes. And it did. And it, it killed can. him. Uh, when it says in the big book that you can't either live with alcohol or without it, they're not kidding. Yeah. If I wouldn't have had professional help, I mean, I was yellow. Now, I look like yeah. a, I look like a freaking Simpsons character. Right. You know, I <laughs> I had to have help, man, or yes. it would or it would have killed me. I would have had yes. a heart attack or a stroke or something, and yeah. I wouldn't be here. Yes. So um, anyway, but I was I was with these three and uh, I didn't even make it out of New Jersey. So there's Salem County. If anyone's listening from New Jersey, you'll know where I'm talking about. <laughs> but it's like in the middle of nowhere. Right. OK. So we get pulled over now. This is at like seven o'clock at night. And I met like my connect at like eight o'clock in the morning. So I okay. used to just pop these pills like Skittles. Yeah. Literally. OK. So I'm like out of my mind. So when we get pulled over, I like throw the pills in the back and the kid Chucky, he had them on him. So they take us out of the car and uh, they bring us into the police station. Now it's like mm -hmm. this small police station. There's like nobody in it. And there's just like this round desk in the front. Okay. And the, the cops, they take, I had Xanax and Oxycontins and they take them and they put them on the desk. Right. Okay. And then they walk in the back. Now Chucky was handcuffed to the wall. And I'm sitting on the bench next to them. They didn't handcuff me. Uh -oh. And literally, these pills are like five feet away from me. And they walked in the back. 
Yeah. Right. And I just remember Chucky, he's handcuffed to the wall and he's looking at me like, dude, we're going to jail. We might as well go fucked up. I'm like, well, and all I'm thinking is I just spent all this money. I can't let it go down, you know, to waste. Yeah. I can't let the cops so, have it. Yes. So here I like grab the bottle and I put them in my mouth. And honestly, I probably would have gotten away with it. But I was so messed up already that, like, when I put the bottle back on the table, I, like, fell a little bit. So it rattled the pills. Uh, so the cops come out. And I literally have the biggest mouth full of pills you can ever <laughs> imagine. So they're literally chasing me around this circle desk. And I'm running around this desk. And I'm like this little Tasmanian devil, like, trying to eat up these pills, right? So they get me. They kick my ass. And I'll never forget this. Um, was here, I look out the door and it was like these glass doors and my brother was standing there just shaking his head in like disgust. Yeah. And how awful that felt to see that. So the cops say to me, they say, you know, we were going to give you a DUI. We were about to discharge you and let your brother drive you home. Yeah. I didn't know this, right? Now we're charging you with tampering with evidence, right? Yeah. You can carry up to 11 years in prison. Yeah. And now you're going to jail. Yeah. Right. So now I'm going, no, no, please don't take me. Oh, you're going. Oh, oh yeah. No, please forgive me. Right. Crazy. So that was my first real consequence. And okay. that was my first time in jail. And as I said, I was taking like 10, 80 milligram pills a day. Yeah. And I was, I, that was probably the worst withdrawal I ever went through in my life. Yep. Um, the jail was overcrowded, so I didn't have a bed. I was literally on a cold cement floor with no pillow, no mm -hmm. nothing for a week. And I literally thought I was going to die. I'm not even kidding. Mm -hmm. And I just prayed to God the whole time. Like, God, I swear, if you get me out of this, I will never use again. And when I'm telling you, I meant it with every fiber in my being. Yep. If I would have taken a lie detector test, I would have passed it. Because okay. that's how much I meant it. I can't tell you how, I wish, you know, that was the only time, but how many broken promises. Mm -hmm. I was the queen of broken promises to myself. Yeah. Mainly. And to the people that love me, but mainly to myself. Yeah. And um, so after a week, you know, uh, finally, my bail was so much money. So finally, you know, it drops down each day. Mm -hmm. And uh, when I finally got out, it wasn't an hour later. And there I was using again, going, how did this happen again? Yeah. Because, again, I didn't understand this mental obsession that I had and that I didn't have a choice and that I was going to do it again. Yeah. And um, so anyway, from that, went to my first treatment center because, the you know, my lawyer said, you know, we got to get these charges dropped. You got to go to rehab. Yeah. So that was my first time in rehab. I was 21 years old. I went there. Um, and was not serious where we were talking about that not willing yeah. part, right? Now, here's the thing. I knew that drugs was a problem, but I had no intention on stopping drinking. Okay. I was 21, right? I'm in there, you know, wearing like these short shirts, caring about the boys and getting yeah. laid and all this stupid shit, right? Not concerned at all. Or to, and I didn't take it seriously. Yeah. And so my first education that I took from rehab, which was a very expensive rehab out here, yeah. my first <laughs> education that was very ex expensive was, why was I spending so much money on pills when I could be doing heroin for much cheaper? That was my education. That's what I learned. Oh, yeah. So anyway, I, um, 
And here's the thing. Again, I didn't think that alcohol was my problem. So the night I got out, I drank, Mm -hmm. right? And again, so that triggered this phenomenon of craving, which I had no idea about. And so, you know, that very next day, now I wanted my drug of choice. Mm -hmm. And I've had two things happen to me, right? For a long time, whenever I drank, it led me back to drugs. Mm -hmm. And then later on in my story, which I'll get to, um, I became a full-blown alcoholic, you know? And so... What happened from there, you know, then I wanted drugs. So I called, she was my roommate in rehab and she took me down to Camden and uh, she shot me up for the first time okay. in the car and I woke up and I was in the hospital Whoa. and I had overdosed. So this was the first time and she shot me up and I looked up and I remember the nurse said to me, you know, nice friends you had. They pulled up to the hospital, threw you out of the car in your face and took off. Right. And here's how delusional I was. I literally thought like, well, that was a really good friend. You know, they could have let me die, you know, (laughs) (laughs) you know, and so, and that was my first overdose. You know, the first time I shot up, I overdosed and I can't tell you how many times that I woke up in the hospital trying to get my bearings. Where am I? Where am I? And then realizing, oh, fuck, I'm in the hospital again. Here we go. You know, um, that happened so many times. And um, so after that first overdose, um, you know, that started my heroin addiction. Okay. And that lasted three years. Once I turned to heroin, there was no more holding down a job. I was completely unemployable. I would try to get jobs and I would lose them because I'd show up high. I, towards the end of it, I could not even shower. Okay. Oh, oh my goodness. Okay. So I could not even shower. Yeah. I I would go weeks without even a shower. I was completely beaten and completely broken. Yeah. And I desperately wanted to stop and wanted a different life, but I didn't know how to attain that. Mm -hmm. And, uh, So anyway, what happened from there was towards the end of that, I had had eight overdoses. Wow. And every time they brought me back and I'd wake up in the hospital again, I would just be hysterical crying that Mm -hmm. they had brought me back because I didn't have the guts to try to kill myself. But I literally felt like, what are you bringing me back for? If I was going, like, let me go. Mm -hmm. And so after that eighth overdose, I signed a DNR so that they couldn't bring me back. Oh, so when my family found out about this, my sister comes to me and I love her to death, but she's still kind of an argument to this day. <laughs> but anyway, so she comes to me and she has these papers and she said, look, these people are trying to get HBO to pick up this documentary uh-huh. on addiction and you're going to do it or we're having you committed. <laughs> and so I'm not thinking anything is coming of this. Yeah. I'm thinking, yeah, I'll sign it so you can get out of my face so I can go do, do what I need to do. I'm not yeah. thinking anything of it. So I signed the paper. And about a week later, there's a camera crew at my house following me everywhere. I'm in Camden, which is like the hood here. Okay. okay. It's like literally the ghetto. Okay. And I'm literally like jumping through crack houses, trying to get rid of this camera crew, thinking they're going to get me killed, following me with cameras. Yeah. <laughs> it was insanity. Insanity. So anyway, I walk into the room after a couple of days of this and I see my family sitting there and this woman, Candy Finnegan. And uh, yeah. So if anyone has ever seen the television show Intervention, uh-huh. um, she's like one of the main interventionists yep. on that show. And I see her sitting there. So I knew what it was. 
Okay. I knew of the show because so many people would say, you have to watch the show because you need to be on this show, yeah. right? <laughs> I was completely out of my mind. And so anyway, when I saw her, you would think my first feelings would be ones of shame and embarrassment uh, and anger. Yeah. But it was a sigh of relief. I didn't even care because I felt like, like I said, I had wanted to stop. Huh. Yeah. Right? I had been to some detoxes, but I just had no awareness. And I really, I really did not want to be living the way I was living. Yeah. And so I felt like, okay, maybe there is some hope and may, maybe I can. That's get what I was thinking was hope. Yeah. That yes, you needed some it hope did. in your That's life. What I yeah. Felt. Good. Yes. And so from there, I flew out to California. They sent me to treatment there. Okay. And um, I lived there for five years. That's where wow. I met that first sponsor and I made it okay. 15 months. Right. And I was restless, irritable and discontent. Again, that malady yeah. was not addressed. Yeah. So I needed that sense of ease and comfort. And I literally thought, you know what? I'm 15 months sober and I could be miserable and be using. Yeah. At least I'll have some comfort. Yeah. You know, so I went out for, for a week. Luckily um, that day, I never picked, that was the last day I picked up heroin the day okay. that they intervened on me. And that was September 28th of 2008. That was okay. the last time I used heroin. Right um, and so anyway, you know, that week I just ended up drinking and smoking crack with my neighbor. It was insanity. You mm -hmm. know, my, my husband at the time who was in recovery, he was my rehab romance, you know, that okay. really worked yeah. out well for me. <laughs> let me tell you, I died. I, there's a reason they tell you not to get in a relationship in the beginning. There is and a very good reasons too. <laughs> yes. And so anyway, every five minutes I'm telling him I got to walk the dog. Cause I got to go bang on the neighbor's door to let me in there to, to hit his crack pipe. But anyway, so that was for, that only went on for about a week. Okay. And at the end of that week, I knew if I didn't stop, I was going to end up picking up heroin again. And I yep. knew enough from over those, all those overdoses that if I did that, I was going to die. Yep. And so I went back to rehab and then that's when I sat down uh, with a woman who was my sponsor for five years. Her name's okay. Pamela. She was amazing. And that's where she started to show me. You okay. didn't have a choice. Yeah. You have no defense. Because here's the thing. I had seen, I'm powerless in my life, so manageable. Yeah. I never understood. What did it mean to be powerless? Exactly. Yeah. What does powerless mean? That I have no choice. Mm -hmm. That my willpower avails me nothing. Right? Correct. That I was without defense. And the thing is, the truth was, I didn't have a choice based off my experience. Not because this book was telling me. Not because the sponsor was telling me. Yeah. Because when I looked back on my experiences... There were so many times when I said I'm done and I meant it with everything in my being, mm -hmm. but I did it again anyway. Yeah, you lived it. Yes. So my experience told me that I was powerless. Yep. And so anyway, I worked these steps with her. And um, again, life wasn't great on the outside, but I had peace on the inside for the first time in my life. Mm -hmm. And that husband I told you about, he kept relapsing. But you know what? I had peace. Mm -hmm. We were broke. We lived in L.A. Our, our rent. You know, we, he was a chiropractor, so we had a medical office and I did medical billing. And then I also worked like three other jobs just to pay our rent. And then our okay. one bedroom apartment yeah. was like $2,700. We paid mm -hmm. like $7,000 a month just on rent. So I did nothing yeah. but work, yeah. right? We literally would, I would grocery shop for us at the dollar store, okay? Yeah. Peanut butter and jelly. But I was happy and I had peace. Yeah. And I was free for the yeah. first time in my life because I did what was suggested. Yeah. Right. And so what happened was um, essentially was that that husband, he kept relapsing and that led me to come back to the East Coast. OK. And I was four years sober when I moved back here. 
And um, all of a sudden, you know, I didn't like the meetings on the East Coast. They were different. They weren't as spiritual. Yeah. So I don't need uh, them. Yeah. Right. My sponsor was living in California. I slowly stopped talking to my sponsor. I'm mm-hmm. not working with others now because all my sponsees were there. Oh. And so, you know, and I was able to last for, and here's the thing, I was working in fine dining. So I'm, you know, going to these wine taste things that we had to do where I'm putting it in my mouth, but not spitting it back out. Right. Oh, all this yeah. stuff that if I was on sound spiritual ground, I would never be doing. But exactly. this disease is cunning, baffling, and powerful, right? And, and patient. It's very patient. Very, yes. And so at 11, I, it, it lasted like, a, I, it was a couple days before my five-year anniversary. Okay. Or birthday, as they say. Is it birthdays in Colorado or anniversary? Uh, we call them birthdays. Birthday, that's Because yeah. that's what it was in California. They say okay. anniversary. I like birthday better. Me too. But um, <laughs> anyway, right before my five-year and. You know what? That obsession of the mind, because yeah. I wasn't connected to God. That's the only place my defense is. I have no defense, but I wasn't connected to God. Or the exactly. Program, yeah. Right. And it's cunning, baffling and powerful. And so it didn't tell me, hey, let's go to Camden, put a needle in your arm. That's a good idea. Right. It said, you're in your 30s now. You're sophisticated. Yeah, you yeah. can have a glass of wine. <laughs> Alcohol wasn't your problem. Yeah, it was a and heroin. I had no defense. Yeah. Yes. And I had no defense. And so I started drinking. Yep. And I uh, basically, you know, cut through, I know we've been a while. Um, I just became a full-blown alcoholic mm-hmm. and it was harder for me to admit defeat with alcohol. Let me tell you, it was very apparent. My life was unmanageable on drugs. Like I said, okay. I didn't shower, nothing. Yeah. I was more of a functioning alcoholic, right? My kids were taken care of. My house was clean. Dinner was on the table. I never missed work. Mm-hmm. So it was harder for me to see it. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. And, but when, you know, when my, my now husband had had enough and I saw where this was going, I knew that there was a better way because I had had it before. Yes. And again, with those outside circumstances, I literally always thought when I get the perfect husband, the beautiful kids, the nice Mm -hmm. house, then I'll be happy. And guess what? (laughs) I had the perfect husband, the beautiful kids, the beautiful house with literally a white fence. And guess what? I was miserable and I hated myself. Yep. And so anyway, but I knew that there was a better way. Yeah. And so I went back to treatment. The day I got out, I called that woman, Pamela, and said, okay, "Okay, I'm ready. We got right into the steps. I went to IOP. I did the naltrexone for like the first six months of my sobriety. Everything that they suggested, I did. Okay. And um, that was on August uh, 4th of 2018. Okay. So I have like around two and a half years of sobriety now, right on, but good it job. was only by the grace of God that I never picked up heroin again. Yeah. I know it would have killed me. Yeah. And you know, when I first got sober again, I was so upset with myself because it was like, almost like I realized I had let go of that, that time. Mm-hmm. But like, I realized I learned my greatest lesson from that relapse. And that lesson was that as long as I was working a program, working my steps, working with others and going to meetings, I got to be happy, joyous and free and have peace. Absolutely. And that is a small price to pay. A very small. Yeah. Of the obsession of the mind. Oh, yeah. And so that is what I learned. I am somebody who always has to be working a program and to keep my program and God first. Yep. Because anything I put before that, I lose. But as long as I do that, I get to have peace and I get to have joy. 
Yeah. And all the promises have come true in my life. And um, about a year ago, actually, um, my church asked me to start a recovery ministry. Okay. It's called uh, Chain Breakers Recovery. And it we, is. we essentially b- blend uh, the big book and the NA basic text. We, we alternate weeks with the Bible and scripture. Yeah. Um, and that has just been the greatest blessing of my life to get to see other people, to see the lights come on for them, right? And I always, I didn't understand why God brought me through what he brought me through, right? Because for a long time, I was mad at God. (laughs) Sure. Because I thought God, you know, God, I always believed in God, but he worked in your life and your life and your life, and he didn't give a damn about me. And that's what I thought. But it was through getting honest and doing the step work that I saw the truth, right? Yeah. God never turned his back on me. I turned my back on God. His grace and mercy was always over me because mm-hmm. I would not be alive if it wasn't. That's right? right. And God did not cause my problems, but he sure as hell was the answer to my problems. Yeah. And I, and what's funny is all we had to do is be willing. And right. That's, and that's all I had to, that's Starts all with I that. had to do was to take, make my first step was just to be willing, which required yes. nothing of me. Exactly. And you know, God, he will take, you know, in this scripture too, but he takes what the enemy meant for harm and he works it out for good. Yeah. And that is what God did for my life. Right. And I'm dead serious. I, when I first came in and I hear people say, oh, I'm a grateful alcoholic. And I'm like, yeah, right. I'll <laughs> never. Right. I truly am grateful. And I wouldn't change what I went through, even if I could, because yeah. I know that I know that I know yeah. that I'm a better person now that I ever would have been had I not gone through it. That's right. And God took that point of my pain and he gave me a purpose and a platform to be able to help other people Yeah, with that. And, and that's, that's what we do through pain breakers. And, and I think that's, um, you know, I think when we ask why we're arguing with God, but if we want to know why we're who we are, I, I'll tell you why, because you can save people's lives when other people cannot. And yes. That is huge. So, yes. you know, take, you know, I stay very, very humble about that. Um, and Chain Breakers, yes, you guys are doing a lot of good with that. Um, you know, it's on our trudging together. So I'm sure a lot of my guests already, already know about it. But if you guys haven't seen it, uh, check out Chain Breakers on, on Facebook. And then on Thursdays, they also post their, uh, their uh, meeting. Uh, yes. You guys do that live too, right? So it's kind of. Yes, the meeting's live. Um and again, we have uh, speakers from both fellowships that come in. Because look, it doesn't matter where you work the steps. It's that's the right. same 12 steps with the same solution to have a spiritual Absolutely. awakening, right? Because yep. that's the goal, the spiritual awakening. Because yes. I have no defense. So I better get connected to God because mm-hmm. my only defense comes from God or the truth is, again, I'm going to do it again. Yeah. Right. And so that's why we see that 12 step. It's the same goal on both. Having had mm-hmm. a spiritual awakening is the result of the steps, right? It doesn't say yep. having had clean time as a result. Having a sobriety as a result, the goal is the spiritual awakening. That is my solution. And then the Mm -hmm. byproduct is that I get to be clean and sober. That's right. And and happy. And you get to be happy, joyous, and free. Yeah, there was there was something that I there was something you said in the very beginning, and then it switched. So in the very beginning, when you started your story, you said our house looked great on the outside, Mm. but wasn't very good on the inside. Then while you were in California, you said, my life didn't look very good Ooh, on the that's, outside. I never even thought about that. It was great on the inside. It was right. just a whole switch. 
even yes. in, even in your economic security area there exactly you know, See, that's your perspective right? that's it that's your that's attitude you yeah that's what i learned right i can't have a negative mind and a positive life that's it's right it, that, it, it won't work they can't mix yes and that's why i try to now just stay in this attitude of gratitude mm -hmm. right and, and, and just rejoicing in all circumstances not just when things are good because you know what we all got problems, but you know yeah. what we also all got? We all got blessings. Yeah. And if I'm staying focused on those blessings, I'm just going to be that much more happy. Yeah. And that's, you know, this solution, what it gave me, as I said, it fixed that malady. Mm -hmm. I'm no longer restless, irritable, and discontent, but now I'm happy, joyous, and free. And I have peace in my mind and joy in my heart. And I value that so much. Yep. Um, and it's all, you know, all the glory belongs to God because mm -hmm. I wouldn't be here without him. And I'm just so grateful. And it's, it's all for his glory and for helping others. You know, there's nothing special about me that God said, Oh, I'm going to save her and not this one. That's you right. know, God's yeah. grace is available to all of us. Mm -hmm. Recovery is available to all of us. Yes, it is. We just have, we have to work for it. I had to work for it. Yeah. If I wanted those promises, right. I couldn't wait around for the miracle. I had to work for it. Yeah. So that's what I would encourage anyone tonight. You know, if you're struggling, just get into action, man. Faith without works is dead. I, you know, it, no one becomes a doctor by just wishing it. Right. They that's, have to put the work. That's right. In. You know, and, and you can even start that off with, Hey, you know, God, I'm not doing really well right now. If you go ahead and take that over, maybe put somebody in my way to for me mm. to help, that'd be great. You know, uh, it may happen, it may not, but just be willing to do it can change your whole freaking attitude. And yes. you, can, you can change your day whenever you want. Even That's if it's right. an hour before bed, you know, and you've been in a bad mood all day. You don't, you don't deserve that anymore. You yeah. Know, you really don't. Put down, put down the shovel, man. And quit yes. beating the crap out of yourself. Yes. That's, yeah, I, I think that's where it starts. Yeah, uh, you know, because there's no pit too deep that God won't reach down and pull you out of it. That's right. Right. But we have to be willing to put our, our hand up and reach for the yeah. hand. That we helps have, us. Yeah. It, we have to be willing to ask. Um, yes. You know, and for me, anyway, I kind of feel like God tends to give me a little bit more than I can handle so that I reach out to his children. Otherwise, I will try and do it myself. Now, everybody right. has their own belief, but I kind of feel that way with my higher power that yeah. uh, he tends to give me a little bit more than I can handle so that I will reach out to his children because it isn't just about me helping God's children. It's about letting God's children help me. Because mm. God works through people too. Right. He'll send us help through people. Yeah. God ain't, God ain't coming to you and saying shit. He talks through people. Sorry, yes. but you ain't Job. <laughs> right. Right. Exactly. <laughs> yep. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So we do meet. We meet as as you were saying, uh, Thursday nights at seven thirty Eastern Standard Time, and also all of our meetings are lift, listed on the video section of the Chainbreakers Recovery Facebook page. So if you ever feel like you need a meeting, there's a full library of meetings. And look, even if you're not a Christian, you know we're we're studying the literature. We're not shoving that down your throat. Do you know oh, what I mean? Um, absolutely. This is about spirituality. 
Yeah, this is a spiritual program, not a religious program. We, yes. we are, we are, we are non-denominational and yes. we don't care where you're from. Yeah, because this is the thing. It's not about gaining religion. That's right. I had religion. I was raised Catholic, right? And that's why I was kind of mad at God. I thought I was doing a thousand years in purgatory by the third grade. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I had to let go a lot of those old ideas, right? So uh, what I had to understand, this was not about gaining religion. This was about gaining relationship that's right. with God. That's a personal the, that's relationship. That's the whole point. Yes. And that, a personal relationship for me with Jesus Christ is what broke the chains of addiction off my life. So Absolutely. this wasn't about finding a religion. This was about getting a, an intimate relationship with God. Yeah. And that's I, when I was I, able to get better. I came out of detox for the 22nd time in two years. Wow. And a man came up to me and he said, Dion, we love you here. You know, cause we don't, we don't, we don't shoot our wounded in AA. We don't do that. Right. We keep coming back. They, and they'll accept yes. who you are. Keep trying, and, and he said, "But you've you've never met God. Mm. You've never had a relationship with God. Mm -hmm. That was it for me. It was my drinking days were over, and I haven't. I from then on, you know, mm. understanding that that was my problem because I'd had twelve years of sobriety before. Right? Um, heck, I was a cack at nineteen. So yeah, my my drinking career was pure hell because it was all AA." I, I was right. an AA before. Uh, I was, you had a head I was an, AA you had to get rid of. Uh, my thanks, mom. Yeah. <laughs> I was yes. an AA before I started drinking. So. <laughs> you were screwed from the get-go. Well, my mom <laughs> knew. She knew, you know, yeah. and, and thank God, you know, um, I won't, I don't agree with uh, some of the things that she did, but I don't think that I would have had a chance of getting sober if she wouldn't have done that. Right. I really right. don't. Yeah. And because of it, I stayed away from harder drugs. I never did heroin. Mm. Yeah. Because of that. And right. I, and I knew it. So I stayed away. I was very lucky that way because, man, it would have snagged me quick. So, yeah. Yeah. Angelina, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, third, I guess third time's a charm. Yeah. Um, there you go. And, you know, I, I would like to actually have you back at some point uh, to yeah. talk about maybe some specific topics, maybe what. Yeah, I'd love that. You know, maybe what AANA is like on the East Coast for people um, yeah. as compared to, you know, there's it's all about education. Some people enjoy the history yeah. of AA, some people, you know, so it it's really about discussing different topics for different people uh, with people, different people saying it. So, yeah. Um, awesome. I'd love to come back. So we'll go, we'll go ahead and plan on something like that. Um, yeah, you're really easy to talk to. We have, we've had some great conversations. Yeah. And, uh, I'd Three love times to have, now. Yeah. I'd love, <laughs> I'd love to have you, me and Jill on here. Uh, yeah. Talking about a topic. So. Um, All right. Well, we'll make it happen for everybody. Fantastic. Yeah. Thank you everybody for listening today. It's uh it is Friday. So hopefully you decided that today you was, uh, that uh, you were going to spend your money on your bills and not not alcohol today. There you um, go. Let's, uh, you know, we're going to do the right things. You know, it can be really, really hard getting sober, right? but I think I want, I would really, really like to enforce uh, some of the things that you said. One is we don't give up, okay? 
there was there was no giving up in that story even when we don't even when we want it we aren't getting it don't stop mm. don't don't give up on yourself and i think a really big thing that i would like to bring up um is it's not your fault and i you kind of brought that up you have a disease yes it, it, you cannot control it it'd be like trying to control cancer you can't right. you're not bad you're sick that's right and it's not your fault you're still going to take responsibility for your actions is what we do this but, is the thing i'm not responsible for the disease i'm responsible for my recovery we're going to end it at that thank yeah. you guys for being here you mind uh, if i pray for jill real quick you go ahead. Yeah, so let's just pray. So, Father, I just come to you in the name of Jesus, Lord. And I just, I want to pray for Jill, God. I pray that your spirit would be with her. I pray that you would work this, something out for good in this, in the season that she's in, Lord, that she would just draw closer to you and that she would know your presence um, as she's going through this. I pray for her upcoming surgery. I pray that you would just give wisdom to the doctors and that it would come out successful, Lord. And I pray that you would just touch her with your healing hand and that she would be completely healed in Jesus name. And I also pray for every single person that is listening to this podcast. God, I pray that you would just touch them with your favor, with your mercy, with your grace, Lord, and that you would just break the chains of addiction off of their life and that you would grant them peace. Um, thank you so much for Dion and for everything that you're doing in and through your people. And it's in the name of Jesus that I pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you very much. All right. I God love it. You, God bless. All right. My, my people out there, I, you know, I love you. I love every single one of you, even if you can't love yourself. Mm. So take care of yourselves, put down the shovel I love y'all. Peace out and have a day.